Welcome to the Vine. If you're new here, we want to say welcome. I'm Zach, one of the pastors here. I um, want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers in the room. We've got a lot of new mothers, uh, a lot of young mothers. So we just want to probably a first Mother's Day for a lot of folks here at the Vine. So I hope it's a really blessed day for you. Um, just a quick uh, announcement. A lot of you have heard about this already, but want to encourage you to uh, get signed up. We've got a really cool um, lineup of what we're calling summer studies this summer at the Vine. Our city groups kind of take a little bit of a pause um, in terms of a regular weekly rhythm, but a new re- weekly rhythm starts with different uh, little short courses would be one way to say it. Uh, seven different ones. They're all great. I recommend you get online uh, at the Vine Madison, click on signups um, and, and check those out. Okay, or you could go on the message that a lot of you got in your email this week. A lot of you could go on Slack, our communication network, and, and check that out. So read up on them, sign up for them. You don't have to go every single week, but just check it out. Um, it's it's going to be great for our development as we pursue the Lord together. So we've been in a uh, series in the book of Proverbs. And so uh, two weeks ago, I gave an intro to that. Last week, James did a great job talking about the fear of the Lord and what that is. And we're going to pick up on that this week because uh, it's Mother's Day. We're going to fast forward from chapter 1 to chapter 31 because chapter 31 is the most, um, probably the most woman-focused text in all of the Bible, okay? So basically today, I'm just going to be talking to women. And I don't think I've ever preached a sermon like this before, um, but we'll see what happens. All right, ladies, you have to let me know. Um, But Proverbs 31 is the most... uh, woman-focused text, I think, in, in all of the Bible. Um, and so we're going to dive into that. What, is, what does it mean for a woman to fear the Lord? What does that look like? The fear of the Lord is just a banner you could wave over the whole book of Proverbs. And specifically, chapter 31, it looks at what is a woman who fears the Lord, what does she look like? A wife or a mom, what does she look like? But before we dive in there, I want to just kind of piggyback on what Scott said in his prayer and just say um, that we know that today is a hard day for some women. Women that are struggling maybe with infertility. It's a very real issue. Women that are struggling with singleness. Um, women that would love to be a wife or a mom and they just can't manufacture that on their own. We know that that's true. And we just want to plead with you, if that's you this morning, um, don't, don't stuff your pain uh, let's, let's deal with that together in community. Um, we want to just be a community that walks alongside each other. The Bible is so clear, Galatians 6.2, that we're to bear one another's burdens. And so if that's a burden for you this morning, we want to help bear it. And we want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. We want to say that we love you and we're with you and we're for you. We want to, um, yeah, just encourage you to, to battle the bitterness that can come that can be poisoned to your soul. And just, just know this, that there, there's coming a day for all of us, whether it's singleness or childlessness or whatever the issue is, there's coming a day, if you're in Christ, where you'll lay on your deathbed and you'll know that all that you went through was worth it. If you're in Christ, you'll be able to say that God's, The suffering that God ordained for my life had a purpose. And we can't see all the purpose as we're living it moment by moment, but there's coming a day when we will. 
and we encourage one another, we exhort one another to hold on in faith. And one day it's going to be all clear. One day it's going to be all clear. And that day might not be today. So we lean on one another. We lean on God's word. We, we pray together. We encourage one another. And we just say, let's hold on together. And one day it's all going to make sense. The, the beautiful tapestry, the, 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 the beautiful mural that God is, is painting, that he's, he's making of our lives, we can't see the... the the long range, step back 40 feet and see the beauty of it. We can't see that yet. And sometimes we're just looking up close and it doesn't all make sense. But one day we will. One day we will. So I just want you to know that we love you and we're for you. And one day you'll know that all was worth it. Because here's the deal. There may be a unique mission that God has for you in the midst of your suffering that's going to blow your mind as you endure suffering for the sake of God's glory and demonstrate to the world that maybe this, maybe, maybe this, Jesus is better than a husband. Jesus is better than kids. And when you can look the world in the eye and go, yes, Jesus is my treasure. I'll consider all loss for the sake of knowing Christ then the world knows that our faith is real. Then the world will know that our faith is real. And one day you'll know too that it was all worth it. So we know this could be a hard day for some of you in the room. And we just don't want you to be unaware that we know that and we're with you and we're for you. So as we consider Mother's Day today, let's turn in your Bible, either paper or digital, to uh, Proverbs 31. If you don't have either one, uh, there's Bibles behind the, sound bo- behind the sound booth at the desk there. Uh, if you don't have one, you can grab one there. Uh, you can just download an app on your phone right now if you, if you need that too. Um, it'll also be on the screen. So I'm just going to read Proverbs 31 starting in, chapter, uh, starting in cha- uh, verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband lack uh, trust in her and he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not harm all the days of her life she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands she is like the ships of the merchant who she brings her food from afar she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens she considers a field and buys it With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. That's good Madison verse, right? She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where when he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. 
Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So right off the bat, I want you to see something. This, this text has bookends, and the bookends are found in verse 10, and the other one is found in verse 29. And the bookends are focused on this word, excellent. Excellent. See it there in verse 10? An excellent wife who can find. And then in verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you've surpassed them all. So this text is kind of hemmed in with these two bookends focusing on the word excellence. So notice what the Bible says. It's very fascinating. The Bible does not define excellence for women by having a perfect 10 of a body. And the Bible doesn't define excellence as having perfectly obedient children. And excellence is not found biblically in, for women as, as staying all up to date on social media and knowing everything that's going on online. And, and excellence is not found in, in being perfectly cheery or bubbly or perky, right? Now, these things might be good in and of themselves in some ways, but they lean a lot more towards how the world defines excellence, okay? And the Bible has a different message. The Bible has a different message. Excellence, as the Bible defines it, is not how the world and our culture define it. And, and here, women, listen to me. This should be great news of freedom for you today. Great news of freedom. You don't have to be a slave to all the idolatrous and vacuous and, and superficial ways that our, that our culture defines success as it pertains to being a wife and a mother. It doesn't have to be you. See, excellence is not necessarily those things. Excellence is found in this. In verse 29, fearing the Lord, fearing the Lord. That's biblical excellence for a woman. She fears the Lord. Check it out. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Because charm is deceitful and, and beauty is vain, but a woman, here, here's the kicker, a woman who fears the Lord, she'll be praised. Listen to what he says. He's like, man, there's a lot of excellent women out there, but man, the word excellent, I got to find a different word. I got to find a different adjective for you is what he's saying. Your excellence is beyond this. Why? Is it because you're so hot? No. Is it because you can charm people with your smile? That's not what it says. That, that, that leans towards the world's values. God defines excellence for wives and mothers as this. Do you fear me? Do you know the fear of me? God himself. So that's what the text wants us to focus on on Mother's Day for, for mothers and wives. And so here's the deal. Here's the two things I want you to walk away from today from Proverbs 31. Number one, I want you to see that Proverbs 31 is a picture of a woman who fears the Lord. Proverbs 31 is a picture of a woman who fears the Lord. And secondly, that the fear of the Lord 
produces true beauty through selfless service. Secondly, the fear of the Lord produces true beauty that's expressed through selfless service. Those are the two things that I want you to walk out of here with today. All right? So let's look at the first one. Proverbs 31 is a picture of a woman who fears the Lord. We've already said it. Let's say it again. Let's read it again. Memorize verse 29. It's good for all of us. Um, Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. All right, now let's think about the flow of thought that we have here in the text. What do we have? Starting in verse 10, we've got this description, right? You know, attribute after attribute of what this woman is like, right? But then after all of that description comes verse 29 and 30. And, and the summary of the, of, of the text is found in 29 and 30. And notice what it is. The summary is not about what she does, but it's an identity statement. It's who she is. Her main identity is not something she does, but who she is, okay? Who is she? She is a woman who fears the Lord, okay? Not too hard to catch, but I want you to see it. The whole point is that this woman does what she does because she fears the Lord. And then here is a very important point I want all the women to embrace this morning. Who she is is not achieved by what she does. What she does is a reflection of who she is. Let me say that again. Who she is is not achieved by what she does. What she does is a reflection of who she is, a woman who fears the Lord. You, you, you hear that? You get that? So here's what, what, what I mean. Ladies, if you hear anything today, hear this, okay? Just, just hear this. Ready? Don't go home today with a Proverbs 31 to-do list, okay? I got to clothe all my kids in scarlet. I don't even know what that means, okay? It means, well, I do know what it means. It means that they're dressed well, okay? And that's a good thing. But I don't want you to come going home with a Proverbs 31 to-do list. And a lot of you have been in Christian culture for a long time. Some of you haven't, and that's great. But for those of you who have, you'll go to conferences, and you'll hear the Proverbs 31 sermon. And all this stuff that you got to do. And you go home feeling depressed because you don't measure up. Or you go home feeling prideful because, yeah, well, compared to these losers, I I really measure up. You know, you can be either depressed or prideful. And that's always what, if we just have a strict to-do list when it comes to our faith, that's what happens. But that's not the point of Proverbs 31. That's not the point. The point is this. This is a picture of the woman who fears the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, watch what he then produces in your life by the power of his spirit working in you, okay? This is not a picture of someone who's gone home and said, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read this text and I'm gonna totally digest what it looks like to be an excellent wife and mom. And you know what? I'm gonna work hard because she works hard and I'm gonna provide food for my family because she does. And I'm gonna have wisdom pour out of my mouth because she does. And I'm gonna have my husband be praised at the gate but with all the elders, because, he, because I do that for him. And, and I'm going to be a savvy businesswoman. And on and on and on. Now, and now I've got all these goals in mind. All right, ready, set, go. And I'm going to start producing this stuff through sheer effort. 
That's not the point of this text. Praise be to God, that's not the point of this text, ladies. And the text can help us see that this is not the point, but, but if we know anything about God from the rest of the Bible and how he grows people in holiness and, and Christ-likeness, that's not how he does it. By giving you a to-do list and saying, go do it. Now the point here is that this woman, her identity is one who fears the Lord. That's her starting point. Not all this stuff that she's got to get done. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? She has a profound respect and reverence and honoring before God and a humility before God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Respect, reverence, honor, love, and humility before God. And when that, and that alone is true, then all of these things start to emerge out of her life naturally because in light of the gospel, for those who are in Christ, for those who trust and treasure in this historical message that Jesus came to lay down his life for sinners, to bear the wrath of God in their place and was raised three days later for all those to be saved who come to him and say, yes, I can't save myself. I need that message to save me. Jesus, I need you. See, when you come to him and you do that, he, he indwells you with his spirit. And he starts to change you moment by moment into someone who fears the Lord. And those who fear the Lord, women start to look like Proverbs 31, by his spirit working in them, not by them trying to work hard and manufacture their own holiness or their own sanctification or their own Proverbs 31 job description. That's God's job to do in your life as you surrender to him and as you fear him. So don't go home today with a to-do list. Ladies, take a deep breath, okay? Don't go home today with a to-do list. Go home today with a fear of the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord should be praised. All right, so who she is is not achieved by what she does. What she does is a reflection of who she is, a woman who fears the Lord. See, if you go home with a Proverbs 31 to-do list, you're just going to end up exhausted and burnt out. But if you go home with the fear of the Lord as your focus, God is going to produce the stuff in your life naturally as a byproduct of fearing him and his spirit alive in you as a follower of Jesus. So I hope you're convinced of this from the text, Okay. But if you're listening to me, I can anticipate a, a great follow-up question. A great follow-up question is this. How do I do that? How do I have the fear of the Lord just be my all-consuming passion and my identity? How do we stir up a healthy and lovely fear of the Lord? Well, there's probably a lot we could say. We could probably preach an eight-week sermon series on it. But let me just commend this to you women this morning. Let me just commend a series of questions to you. And maybe you might want to just write down a couple of these. Maybe jot them in your Bible or jot them in your phone. And throughout the week, you could maybe ruminate on these and reflect on these as I think this will help all of us, not just women, but all of us, understand what it means to be a person or a woman who fears the Lord. Let me ask you a series of questions. It's not hard, but it's probably profound. Who made you? Who made you? Like, did, did you make you? 
Did you cause yourself to exist? Who made this planet that we stand on? Who made the, the infinite galaxies that blow our minds with mystery? Did, did, you, did you do that? Did you cause the mountains to be pulled out of the ground? Did you say to the oceans, this far and no farther? Who, who gives life and who gives death ultimately? Like, do you hold the power of life and death in your hands? D- did you come up with these concepts did you, did you cause them to exist? Like, who, who is the Lord of all of history? The beginning to end of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation. The whole storyline of Scripture. Who governs that? This, this massive narrative of human history that we find ourselves in. Did, did you come up with that? Who came up with that? Who orders the steps of all mankind in all of human history? Who's, who's weaving a wonderful plan out of the gut-wrenching agony and breathtaking beauty of human history, all centered on the cross and empty tomb of Jesus? Like, are, are we doing that? Are, are, you, are you doing that? Like, did you come up with that, cause it to exist? See, all these simple rhetorical questions are saturated with Bible. And the biblical answer is, nope, we didn't do any of them. And who did? God did, right? So how do you conjure up a fear of the Lord? How do you, how do you have that be your all-consuming understanding, a reverence, an honor, a, a, a respect, a humbling of yourself before the Lord? How do you have that? In your life, I think you just start with believing who he said he is. Just open up your Bible and see that this is who God says that he is. He's the answer to all those questions, right? Meditate on it. Think about it. Consider it. Ponder it. Embrace it. Run to his word and see who God is and see who he is, but also who you're not. And that's freedom. You don't have to order the universe. That's not your job. You don't even have to order your own life in some sense. That's, God is doing that. And, and a simple five seconds of reflection on God and his word, on these massive truths that God says about himself and his word, will cause you to be drawn to the magnificence of his glorious splendor in all creation and salvation in Jesus' cross and empty tomb. And here's the deal. This is where freedom lies. This is going to lead you to not think about yourself so much, Think about him. Because you'll be so enthralled with him. That's freedom. That's how you become a woman who fears the Lord. So Proverbs 31, this is a picture of the woman who fears the Lord. It's not a to-do list. Proverbs 31 is a description of what the Spirit produces in your life when you simply fear the Lord. Reverence him, listen to him, honor him, be captivated by who he is and love it. Okay? So that being said, there's one other thing I want you to walk away from this text knowing and treasuring, and it's this. The fear of the Lord produces true beauty through selfless service. The fear of the Lord produces true beauty through selfless 
service. So our, our, our culture has a lot of messages that are explicit but are also implicit when it comes to the definition of true beauty. And most of us have the experience that we're very familiar with of walking through the grocery store and walking through that little mini shrine that preaches a message to us called the magazine rack about the nature of true beauty, right? And true beauty is all about having the perfect tan of a body. True beauty for women is all about having the best clothes. True beauty is having, you know, the perfectly photoshopped complexion, right? True beauty is how to, like, have the unbelievable sex life, all focused on physical things. True beauty is all of this stuff, and what's the common denominator? It's external. It's all this external stuff. You guys get on social media. You get on Pinterest, and the beauty of your home is all this external stuff. It's got to be perfect, and all this cool furniture that's all handcrafted and made out of pallets or whatever. My, 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 my wife, she jokes at this. I, I love this about her. She can be a little bit sarcastic at times. But she's like, no, I'm going to do, I'm gonna do the, like a real-life Pinterest page. And this is just, this is what it is. It's me in my sweats at like 7.30 in the morning. And I haven't had my coffee yet. And I didn't take my makeup off last night. And my hair is all crazy. And my kids are bouncing off the walls. And the dishes isn't, isn't, aren't done. And it's just like, this is real life. Don't show me your perfectly sculpted house. We know that's not what it's like. Here's the real deal. And I'm living it. Deal with it. You know what I mean? And uh, I say, baby, go get it. Like, that's, that's good. We need more reality. Okay, um, that's good stuff. But we're all just like submerged in the externals, right? Whether it's just fake or not, that's the cultural message is true beauty is found in whatever appearance you can manufacture or however you can be focused on the externals, whether it's your body or your face or your clothes or whatever, Be the trophy wife. The problem is the externals, if we're biblical, the externals are, to quote the Bible, wasting away. All of us get old and saggy. You with me? It's just a matter of time. We're all, and not to be morose, but we're all heading towards a coffin. Your physical body is at least. One day to be resurrected, and then it'll be perfect. But that's where we're all headed, right? So thanks be to God that he doesn't put, he doesn't say that our bodies are bad. In fact, he made them. He loves our bodies. But thanks be to God that the focus on what it means to be excellent, what it means to be a woman of character, to be a woman who fears the Lord, isn't rooted in externals primarily. It's rooted in other things. And that's what Proverbs 31 shows us. That true beauty is, is rooted in a life of selfless service. Like when you, when you peruse Proverbs 31, do you see a ton about external beauty? I don't. I mean, do you? See, God defines beauty differently than our culture. Praise should be given to the woman who fears the Lord is what the Bible says, not the woman who can make it on a magazine cover. 
Breathe a sigh of relief, ladies. Like, pop the pressure balloon. Isn't, God is so good to us to give us his word that helps us do that, is he not? Notice how the Bible defines the praiseworthy woman. Just let your eyes glance over verses 11 and 12. And, and, and notice that these are just daily, ordinary things. She helps her husband. That's a really good thing. She's a great helpmate to her husband, 11 and 12. Look at verses like 13 through 19. Let your eyes peruse through there. What is that? She serves in her household. Just normal household stuff. She serves there really well. Verses 27, 28, 29. Same theme. Look at verses 20 through 26. Just glance through there quick. She serves well in her community. These are just daily, ordinary things. Let me just give you a summary of a, a modern translation of what one guy says. You know, it could be equivalent to this. She she's cooks, she cleans, she makes, makes repairs and buys clothes. She buys groceries. She bargain shops. She gardens. She's working in the home. She's working outside the home. She does laundry. She helps her neighbors. She helps needy people. She speaks well of her husband. She makes phone calls. Checks in on others. She reminding, supporting, and encouraging her husband. Reminding, supporting, encouraging her kids. Teaching her children. Teaching her children the Bible and the gospel. Teaching practical theology. Praying. Praying for others. Up early and late feeding infants. Staying up with sick kids that puke all over the place and have diarrhea. Right? Moms, are you with me? Uh, potty training. Comforting, frightened children. And that's, there's probably a lot we could say. As a, as a modern-day translation, but I think that's pretty good. And notice, here's the challenge. All of these things, in some sense, just sound pretty mundane, right? They feel mundane. And the culture looks at women and says, hey, you need to get yours. Like, don't let anybody slow you down. Like, I'm a woman, hear me roar. I'm going to do whatever I want. Self-actualize yourself. Just whatever you want, go get it. And this list, that sounds pretty boring. Why would you do that? We might do it because it's really, ho really close to the heart of God. But really, I mean, are all these things really what make a woman praiseworthy? Does the Bible know what it's talking about here in Proverbs 31? Is this what true beauty is all about? Consider this quote. I'm going to send you guys all the, the, the larger article this week that this comes from because it's really phenomenal. Um, but here's a, a, a paragraph from it. A wise woman is one who lives the life she has, surrendered to Jesus by faith instead of wishing she had a different life. This is also true for women suffering through the pain of infertility, miscarriage, and single parenthood. It's not about living an ideal life, but living the life you have in the fear of the Lord. Another way to say that is not just endlessly wrestling with discontentment, but believing what the Bible says when the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. The real Proverbs 31 mom remembers that Jesus' life appeared to be ordinary and tragic by outward appearance. Consider that Jesus was a carpenter for most of his life. Just a simple carpenter. Most of his life. 
Born in a stable from a nowhere town like Nazareth, blue-collar parents, rejected by the religious establishment, a low-income itinerant preacher with a band of ignoble followers, crucified as a common criminal. There's glory in the ordinary in Christ. See, true beauty is not how the culture defines it. Perfect body, perfect Pinterest-worthy house, perfect kids, perfect clothes, perfect career. See, true, true beauty from the perspective of the world is pretty boring, but biblically speaking, there is glory in the ordinary as God defines it. Because here's the deal. True beauty is Jesus-shaped. And what is a Jesus shape? Jesus shaped means service, selfless service. Notice that when the fear of the Lord is the woman's main concern, her life starts to emerge with selfless service. And that's pretty Jesus-like. Why would I say that? Because Jesus just told us that's what his mission was. Look at Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served. The Son of Man didn't come to get his. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the normalcy of faithful service, selfless service, even in the mundane, young moms, even in the mundane, might put you squarely in the presence of God. Because why? Because God is a God himself who loves to selflessly serve. And as you model him in selflessly serving, whether it's middle of the night and puke on the floor, or whether it's whatever else, changing clothes or laundry or, you know, engaging with neighbors that don't know the Lord, or whether it's, you know, serving the poor in some normal mundane way, God's heart is right there. God's heart is right there. That's where Jesus lives. Jesus doesn't hang out with those oftentimes that are just seeking to get theirs. He lives and, and, and lives and embodies by his spirit those who desire to bless others because they fear the Lord and they know that the Lord himself has a mission to bless others. That's how he exists. That's Jesus. Notice a final text that really sums this up for women, but also for men. This is for everybody. But, but women, I want this to be for you this morning as, as Mother's Day. And I want you to notice something really profound here. Here's what it says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He, he poured himself out as a servant, right? But emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. So draw a straight line from Proverbs 31 to what Paul commends to the church 
in Philippi and to the church in Madison, to everybody who names Jesus as Lord and Savior, a life of service. Jesus says, I dare you to try me. The greatest joy in life is not found in selfishness. The greatest joy in life is found in fearing the Lord that will lead you to selfless service. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Humility. Fear of the Lord equates to humility. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Greater love is never found. There's no greater love than laying down your life for someone else. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of the Father. So you notice how the ultimate praise of God, where he wears the kingly crown, is preceded by the cross. There's always a cross before the crown. Oftentimes there's there's tragedy before the triumph. That's just the biblical pattern. And so this praise of Jesus that we see in verses 9, 10, and 11, where every knee is going to bow before him, the ultimate praise of Jesus happens through the medium of him laying down his life in selfless service. See that picture? And here's what I want you to notice, moms, wives, women. The Bible commends, this is what's so fascinating to me, the Bible commends that we praise you as well. See what it says? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So the Bible rarely commends that we praise one another because it always is commending that we praise God because he's most worthy of praise. But here it's, it's actually written down that we should praise you when you fear the Lord. Give her the fruit of her hands, verse 31, and let her works praise her in the gates. So it's a good thing for women to be praised I'll just model it. Kim, I love you. And I want to praise you publicly because you've been so faithful to me for 18 years. And you've sacrificed a lot for me. You've followed me where I've led us year after year after year. And you haven't complained or argued. And you've just been nothing but a blessing to me. So I think it's good to publicly praise you. Thank you. And, and men, if you're married, go home and do that. Okay? Call your mom. Praise her. The Bible commends it, all right? For some of you, that might be hard. For some of you, that might be really easy. But either way, you're extending grace and go for it. She's worthy to be praised. So the Proverbs 31 woman is one who fears the Lord. And fearing the Lord will produce Proverbs 31 type service in your life. And that is the definition of true beauty as God defines it. Forsake the lie of the culture. There's no satisfaction there. There's just not. God loves those that fear him. And his claim is that when you order your life with him being at the top and you finding your rightful place in loving others and then yourself, that that's joy, that's satisfaction, that's life. Don't worry about how the world defines true beauty. Let Proverbs 31 define true beauty for you. 
That's where joy is found. That's where wisdom is found. That's where life is found. Let's pray. Father, would you help us? Would you help us men um, just come alongside the women in this church and help them um, pursue Proverbs 31 and the fear of the Lord? May we model that as men as well. Um, Lord, would you make us as men really thankful for the women in our lives? Um, Maybe that's just a friend. Maybe it's a a fiancé or a spouse. Maybe it's a mother. Maybe it's a neighbor. Um, Lord, would you help us to uh, express gratitude and thanksgiving? And Lord, I pray for every woman in this room, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit so they would see that you are great and greatly to be praised and reverence and honor and respect is just our knee-jerk reaction to who you've revealed yourself to be in your word. And may that cause our church to be beautiful for the sake of the mission that you've given us to make disciples and plant churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. In Jesus' name, amen.